When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Make believe is not pretend. We might be but we're on the mend. It never starts, it never ends. Welcome to Craig and Friends. Welcome to Craig and Friends. Welcome to Craig and Friends. Welcome to the first installment of the Craig and Friends Hedwig and the Angry Inch Movie Club. Now, the movie clubs are part of the regular feed, and to celebrate that, here's the show that's been a long time in the making. This first episode features none other than the fabulous Davina DeCampo, who, of course, embodied Hedwig in the first UK production in over 20 years earlier this year in Manchester and Leeds. Earlier this week at the UK Theatre Awards, Davina DeCampo was justly awarded Best Performance in a Musical. So congratulations, Davina, and I'm thrilled that I had the privilege of seeing you perform this. This chat took place outside the home theater in Manchester at Tony Wilson Place. We were, of course, allowed in, but we chose the dignified approach and recorded outside. So you will hear some local color, sound effects, things of that nature. As mentioned earlier, this is part one of a multi-episode movie club because Hedvig is too vast to cover in just one show. So stay tuned for brand new chats with Mike Potter, John Cameron Mitchell, Stephen Trask, Frankie DeMarco, Trana Wintar, and John Fenn Parker. But now it's time for my chat with the one, the only, the Davina DeCampo. This is Davina DeCampo, roving reporter, coming from one Tony Place. Tony Wilson Place. I can't even read. <laughs> well, Tony Place. I think, you know, you're, you're, you're familiar. You're, you're intimate enough. I want a Tony. I, yes. I just... This is how you get it. You go to Tony Place... <laughs> It's very high-end and chic, and then they give you an award at the end. I just wonder whether it'll be tall or short. I don't mind. You know, I'm not heightist. No, you're not heightist I'm, at all. I'm, whatever Tony has to offer, I'm ready for it. <laughs> oh. They have the end of the headphones, <laughs> listeners, uh, uh, buried in the, in the headphones themselves. I know that's more of a visual gag <laughs> coming to you. I love burying things inside. <laughs> 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 yes, you do indeed. Right? <laughs> Which is uh, what led you to this role. Absolutely, yeah. yes. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me. I was so happy to see the Davina DeCampo-led production of Hedvig and the Angry Inch. Yeah, or- I mean, led. I'm not sure it was led. Maybe <laughs> led. Dra- dragged, kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> You'll hear the slight wind noise, actually, a bit, but that's more atmospheric uh, yeah. excitement because we are at Tony Place. We are at Tony Place, outside, uh, in in between some potted plants yeah. and some cheap tin garden furniture. That was part of my request. I insisted on that. Potted plants and cheap tin furniture. <laughs> that's what I demand everywhere I go now because I, I haven't been able to travel for a while. And so now that I have, I'm just I'm just laying out the rules, you yeah. know, because now with your tour riders, you got a lot to deal with. Yeah. You want to fuck about. That's This is true. Yeah. yeah. My tour rider is extensive. <laughs> what was your touring like uh, coming out of the pandemic? Um, you know, I've been really, really lucky. I've, I've kind of worked as soon as pandemic finished. I've just yeah. been working consistently. And we had a little bit of a time in between. And again, I was just, you know, on the road doing shows consistently as soon as we were able, you know, yeah. outside, inside, wherever. Yeah. Wherever you, you pay, I fly, darling. <laughs> you like it always, yeah. Yeah, I, I like it always. <laughs> any time of the day, any which way you prefer. Yeah, any which way you can as well. <laughs> we share that in common, which is nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know. I, I say this, you know, after after kind of 25, you stop being a top or a bottom and you're just grateful. <laughs> right. And involved. What is that? What's on offer? I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> what do you have on a Tuesday afternoon? <laughs> it's interesting. So right before we uh, started uh, uh, taping and we had, we we're having a lovely chat and some tea mm. and these lovely tarts. We love a tart. I love a tart. And we're incorrigible, I think as well. <laughs> so lovely to have a tart in your mouth, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had many, many tarts in my mouth. <laughs> Which reminds me of one of my favorite lines from Hedwig. The, uh, I think of all the people I've come upon in my yeah. travels and all of those who have come all upon me. All those who have come upon me. <laughs> <laughs> when did you first come upon Hedwig? Or Hedwig, uh, I guess. Is- I 
discovered well so actually i'd wanted to watch it i an ex-boyfriend of mine ex for a reason um <laughs> we, we used to go to blockbuster when that was a thing oh yeah every friday and saturday and we would pick up a dvd and every week i would be like oh what about this no i don't want to watch that oh, that's you, you know he would be, oh. no i don't really fancy that one um and then it became then it becomes a thing yeah then right? it becomes a thing so then I then went to Ibiza and worked with this guy, Ben, who I'm still in contact now. Like, he, it was not the job for him. Um, but, I, you know, I had a lovely time. He didn't stay for very long, but while he was there, he had the DVD with him. So I sat and watched it. And watching Origin of Love was just like an absolute, um, a, a life-altering moment for me. Yeah. You know, because you just don't... <clears throat> all those origin stories are so heteronormative centered. Yes, yeah. They're also centered on, you know, a man and a woman, and then off we go. Um, so to have, and it, it, got, it kind of operated in a few different ways for me. So it was not only that it was an origin story that also included, you know, uh, gay relationships, straight relationships, pan by, you know, all of that stuff. Sure. Um, it was also that, uh, it kind of reaffirmed in my brain that all of these are just stories. Yeah. They're not real. Right. They're stories that we've told ourselves to make sense of the world. And essentially myths too, because it plays in with the myth. Absolutely. Thing. Yeah. And and that's the joy of that particular song. And, you know, the the I mean, on the film, it just, my brain was like, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's that thing of, you know, it's taking from Indian, Roman, ancient Greek, Norse, you know, it's, it's pulling all of these different cultures together, and and that again reaffirms these are just stories that right. we've told ourselves to build a kind of collective narrative. Yeah, and it's not real, right? Um, and it can trap us. Yeah, and Which, I think that's what it was for me watching it that first time. I was like, oh, it was a real freeing moment. Yeah, you know, after yeah. that, I I felt like, oh. Okay, there is a you know it's just that reminding of there is a place for me in the world. Yeah, and actually, yeah, I'm all right to carve that out for myself. Yeah, when we should, and we need those reminders. Yeah, especially so, ones that are so like seismic as Origin of Love. Because I remember the first time I saw the film, it just you're so overwhelmed because it, it's nonstop. Yeah, even the show, the play is as well. But with all the visual touches and the animation and all that, you're just constantly bombarded with stuff. And then it's shifting around. The timeline is all over the place in a great way, like yeah. all that jazz or something. But yeah. And it's so like, it, you know, everything's framed in, um, it's kind of flippant in the way that things are framed in the film. Right. But it's also operating a very deep um, existential level, you know, what it is to be a human. Yeah. Is bubbling along underneath this kind of real foolish, angsty, performative, crazy stuff that's going on. There's all of this other stuff happening underneath. You know, it's like that thing about um, still waters run deep. Yes. You know? Yeah. Well, this isn't a still water. It's all crazy on top. <laughs> but holy shit, there's a lot of stuff going on underneath <laughs> as well. Yeah. And before we rolled, too, you were talking about working with the director. The director's name is? Jamie Fletcher. Um, we've known each other for... 20 years at least like we met at university she was in the year below me um and we've made loads of work together over the years like films theater shows um various different little projects you know loads and loads and loads of stuff yeah um lots of stuff about sex and gender as well loads of stuff hmm, about sex really? and gender you're, yeah stuff you're, i know it's, I, it's strange. it's I weird know. isn't it's it weird. that i would <laughs> um, so and the, the last show that we'd worked on she was kind of carrying being everything um you know so she was the like finance director the marketing director the uh musical kind of ear as well as directing and performing in the show and kind of shivying on with the writing and you know trying to just she was having to be 20 people's jobs yeah while only being one person yeah. you know I, I mean i think like directing a show and also performing in the show is a stretch oh god anyway absolutely. that's like there's so much that you're carrying there to begin with um that that's you know for most shows that's too much and she was trying she was 
because of the way that theatre works, <laughs> <laughs> the magical. That there's about four pounds to make a show that costs eight million. Um, uh, so she was she was carrying all of that, um, and before that, we you know we'd we'd work brilliantly together, and it, I found it very difficult. But it was because she was not letting on that she was having all of this stuff to deal with as well. You sure. know, I felt like has she not got any? Where's the support network? Yeah. You know, whereas for this, she's had the support network, and it's been an incredible experience. We've had such a great time. We've been on the same page with each other. We've had really interesting conversations about where we both feel Hedwig sits in terms of the gender spectrum. And um, and actually, a lot of what she's talked about has made Hedwig and her presentation, you know, her gender presentation, make much more sense to me. Mm. Um, she's talked, you know, there's just this thing of, if you were... If you were forced to go through a transition yeah, and that transition was wrong for you, as soon as you're out of that, what would be an abusive relationship, yes, you would just revert. You would just go back to presenting as male if that's where you sit on the gender spectrum. Right. Well, Hedwig doesn't do that. Right. Because that isn't really where she sits on the gender spectrum. She's much more to the female side of stuff. Yeah. Because otherwise, why are you working in the checkout shop? You know, yeah. Why? Why are you on the checkout dressed in a wig in a, as, in, as a woman? In, as a woman, yeah. When that's not actually who you are, right. and that's the thing for you know, as uh, having a trans director puts that immediately. You go, yeah. Of course, yeah. Of course, that's what would happen. Of course, I wouldn't. I wouldn't continue with that if that was not where I sat. Yeah, but if it if it re- if it rang but true to I, you, if it is. If that is my truth, yeah. then of course I'm going to continue. Of yeah. course I am. You know, so I, we talked about a, a lot of that stuff and it really helped make, um, you know, some of the kind of crunchy bits in in Hedvig, which can be quite difficult. Yeah. It, it just made it all much, much easier. What were some of the crunchy bits for you? Because um, I'm fascinated with the aspect of trauma in the show, which we can get to yeah. in a minute. But I'm curious what you found to be the crunchy yeah, bits. Yeah, so, I mean, there's... Um, in in some productions, it is framed very much that Luther forces Hedwig. That that's in, the the critic. Which, which, of yeah, the show. they don't like me talking. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. They have different it, opinions about the, words the show. Of the, from the mouths of babes, <laughs> there's a, a child smashing chairs up to try and kill me. Ah, oh, uh, so gorgeous. Um, that's the spirit of Tony Wilson. By the there way, there he is. There he is. We're yeah. just waiting for my Tony to come. <laughs> that one's far too young. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that particularly the the Luther element is is really. To me, that's a very crunchy moment in the show where yes. you're like, oh, this is difficult. But if actually, you know, I'm I'm non-binary and uh, as I don't have like a, a real strong attachment to my body physically. So were I to transition, that wouldn't be that much of a big deal for sure. me. Yeah. You know, if I was to have uh, surgery... It, I, I don't think that would be that much of an issue for me mm-hmm. because I don't have that strong attachment to being one or the other or, you know, sure. That's not the thing for me. Yeah. Um, and I, early on in our relationship, my husband and I had had conversations about this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and if you don't mind, what, what kind of conversations was it, uh, exploring the, uh, the idea? I mean, basically he said, yeah, if you, if you had tits, I could cope with that. If you had a vagina, no. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, were you at that stage considering uh, I don't, possibly? I don't know. Or? You know, uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. But it was just more a discussion, like theoretical. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Just, and I'm just curious too. Not that there's anything. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think at this point, you know, I've got too many nice pieces in my wardrobe to. <laughs> Mess radically alter yeah. my body <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically- I'd be really upset I can't wear these tops anymore god damn it <laughs> um, yeah so I don't have a real strong attachment to uh, any of that stuff and so that again kind of helps with that moment as a performer of mm. because I, I just don't think um, 
even the promise of a new life yeah. you know, outside of East Berlin, I don't think that would be enough of a stimulus, a motivation to do that. Sure. Um, to, to escape, I don't, I don't think that would be enough of a, a motivation. And it's interesting because it is for Hedvig. And then Hedvig has this sort of the self-punishing thoughts right before Wig in a Box mm. about uh, there's that line, you know, good things come to those who wait, mm. which I think is like sort of an external version of feeling like if I just waited, if I just. But you don't really know that in the t in the moment, especially when your most trusted people, mm. Luther and your mom. Uh, that part of the, sh the the story always horrifies me the most when the mom seems to betray the yeah. best interest. Not that not that she's been lovely and wonderful to Hedvig the entire no, time. No, I mean at she's all. she's very much the uncaring mother. You know, yeah. Uh, put your head in the oven, Kate. Play that. You know, she's just waiting for the gas to be on by accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, goodbye. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> she's know. mad at the dad for molesting, but you don't know really why she's mad. Is it mad because it screwed her life up? Or just she cared about Hedwig because you don't know. That's how much you don't know about the Yeah, mother. and it's, you know, that's, it's, uh, I, we haven't really talked about, like, molestation in in this for us because it's only, there's a very, very brief implication in the, because sure. the version that we've got is the Jane Street version, not the yes. Broadway one. So. Okay. Um, so there's a real, it's just a very, how could I say who had touched me the most? My father, the American G.I., you know, which follows on from all these people I've come on and all those who exactly. come on me. Um, and I'm also interpolating, you know, from the film, that shot of them laying in bed, the overhead shot and everything. Uh -huh. So that's also my interpretation of it. But of course, the film is, uh, the, the story is a Rorschach test yeah. for what you see in it, which is, I think, one of the great gifts of the, the yeah. piece is that uh, at any age that you see it, you see something different. And you absolutely do. I yeah. mean, the last time I watched the film was the first time I realized that Yitzhak was played by a woman. Amazing. I yeah. didn't realize that that was a drag king. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, this guy's got a real high voice. Wow, amazing. <laughs> How incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then watching it, I was like, holy shit. Oh, my God. This is, am I mean, it's even more amazing then. Yeah. Because um, it's such a, a, I mean, that is a, an amazing performance from from that person. Miriam Shore. Yeah, amazing. It, incredible. And, really incredible. And definitely Probably one of the first, if not the first of its kind in a modern, a mainstream like film, film, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, I do consider it a mainstream film because it was released wide. It was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was in Blockbuster. Exactly. It was there, right. I can't mean, argue with that. Yeah. It was in Blockbuster. New Line Cinema Films. I knew New Line Films, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we, we didn't really talk about the molestation thing because it is just a kind of real brief bump and, and, it's then a, it's, and then it's gone yeah. in terms of you know the version yeah. that we've we've had um and that makes sense it was just something that sort of jumped out yeah. to me but again that's again speaks to the interpretive nature of yeah viewing the the piece and also i think the desire that everyone who's seen it multiple times which seems to be a most people oh my god that yeah, care absolutely. for it yeah yeah it's like a required thing you go oh i want to see this production i want to see the movie yeah. again etc yeah or the headheads who saw it so many yeah. times in the original. Yeah, there's been loads of people who've, who've been to see the show who have, you know, not been able to see Because in the UK, we've not had a production on this scale for 20 years. Oh, okay. So there's been little, uh, much smaller versions at like Edinburgh Fringe or like touring versions. Yeah. Um, but very short touring versions. Um, and there, ha there hasn't been any option really to see it on this scale for, for a really, really long time in the UK. So there must be a lot of people who have been traveling from other countries to come see this. Yeah, 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 yeah. There yeah. was a woman from Argentina last night. Amazing. Yeah. She's come all the way from Argentina. <laughs> that's the passion. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, some of, some of the people who follow me have come from Germany and there's been people from Belgium and France and Italy and it's, yeah, it's it's quite um, it's quite something. Well, I was so thrilled to be here for it. I was thrilled that you were here as well. Oh, I thank you. Spotting you, you in the audience uh, as soon as I stepped up. There he is. Uh, oh my god, that's great! Oh, that's oh so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're an angel. I'm always happy to see you. So to see you in one of my favorite pieces was like such a thrill <laughs> as well. And I'm curious uh, to get back into some of the other mm. uh, aspects. Uh, a few elements of the story that you, you found that were 
that you were returning to again and again yeah. with Jamie. What were some of those? So um, we talked a lot about the relationship between Hedvig and Yitzhak as well, mm-hmm. um, because quite often um, the relationship is just really abusive. You know, there's no yeah. fun. Yeah. And there, there has to be a bit of fun and then that closeness. Because otherwise, why the fuck would you stay with them? Right. You, I mean, abusive relationships are not easy to break out of. They're not. Right. But you've been with this person a long time. And if I think if they were really that bad to you and you were on tour, I mean, we're all f- crazy when we're on tour. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. It's not holy, the best. Holy yeah. smokes. Yeah. Like, once you're on tour, your brain <laughs> is like any little thing that somebody does, like they eat crisps and then they rub them on their trousers. <laughs> you want to stab them to death. Yeah. So if somebody was behaving the way that Hedwig sometimes does, you know, just aggressive, just controlling, just mean, just vindictive the whole time, I think Yitzhak would just slit her throat. I think so too, especially and, because on a lower uh, economic scale tour, yeah, the pressures exactly. are just that much worse. Yeah, so much worse because you're doing everything in a freaking public bathroom. You know, like <laughs> you have to wash in a public toilet. You have to, you have to do everything in a public. Yeah, toilet. yeah. Because you just don't have. You know, there's nowhere to do that. Yeah, stuff. it's not like the Eagles where you're like they they can get along now. Yeah, right? exactly. Can they get along? Yeah. It's not that. So, <laughs> so I think he would just he would just kill her. Yeah. So there has to be more of a reason for him being there. You know, mm-hmm. she does love him. Right. She does care about him. They do have a bit of back and forwards banter with each other. Yeah. But she's also in the middle of a breakdown. You know. Oh yeah. And that's again, you know, part of the reason why he's taking some of that is that he can see. You know, she's really not very well and he really does love her and care about her so he's not going to leave her in this moment right but equally he's there is a limit to what he will put up with from her and allow because of what she's going through yeah and because they don't get to discuss it or know how to discuss it then there's aggression from both sides and that's when that stuff gets so toxic because then there's where the love is 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 there and it's binding people together but then there's such animosity after yeah. a while, which I think is such an amazing thing that the piece explores with that, because also uh, Hedvig is the character we bond with, we root for, and yet after a while, uh, recent viewing, nice person, not nice <laughs> at all. Yeah, and, and you can see why. What's led her to that? And I think the piece yeah. is such a great lesson about like we all have whatever in our past, yeah. right? We can you cannot let that govern and run How the show. Behave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And which is a struggle. For sure. Yeah. How many of those bags that you've collected along the way are you going to keep with you? And how many are you just going to put down and walk away from? Yeah. You know, it's that thing. And she's unfortunately unaware that she's got this huge mountain of baggage on her back. She's like, you know, the woman from the labyrinth. Oh, you want this, dearie? (laughs) Don't forget that. Oh, and you'll want one of these. You know, so she's that woman with all of that stuff on her back that she's carrying the, the, abusive father who left the mother who doesn't want her there yeah the husband who's essentially uh trapped her you know yeah for uh uh, put her through this transition then taken her to america promised her the world and then left her in a trailer and left her for somebody else yeah you know and then you she finally meets this kid they fall in, and I think they really do fall in love yeah. with her and Tommy. I really do think that she falls in love with him because I think it's probably the first time she's actually experienced that. The, and, and being seen for who she is yeah. and respected for her talent. Yeah. And then robbed. And then robbed. Betrayed and made, made of, into the uh, scapegoat. Yeah. Everything stolen from her. And then all of the things that, you know, she feels should be hers. He gets he gets this worldwide international fame, right? Adoration and it's yeah, it's actually it's her work, and she hasn't had any of the um, reward. Reward. She's had none of the reward from that. And so, know? what does a person do when everything is abusive, and then you put forth your real self and you break through this ice somehow, yeah. and you're robbed and not allowed to enjoy any of the? No wonder. You go yeah. into that state that we find Hedwig in because also there's poverty involved as well. Yeah. 
And to, and those moments, like, how does anyone see above the waterline too? Yeah, which I mean, these are the conversations that we're having in the UK right now, you know, cost of living crisis. How does anybody see above where where they are? Yeah. Um, And just don't vote Tory. That's what I was saying. (laughs) (laughs) You had quite an interesting uh, interaction with the Tory recently. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, so he'd he'd messaged me saying that I was wrong about um, uh, vagrancy laws in the UK. I'm not. I know what I'm talking about. And what are the vagrancy laws uh, the for those not are, aware? Essentially, it criminalizes being homeless. There's legislation being passed that could take that out um, and stop it being, you know, a criminal offense to be homeless. They that they haven't done that. They've they've passed the legislation that would allow that to happen, but they haven't actually changed the law yet. Um, he messaged me saying that I was wrong and you know I should be more careful about what I say and people should vote Tory. <laughs> you're gay and you're standing as a Tory councillor. Oh dear, I didn't know that. There's an oxymoron. Yeah, that's really crazy. A first thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe actually it's just a moron for a first thing. That's what I would think. I think a maxi moron, maybe. (laughs) A total moron. Uh, And then, so I said, you know, like, let's not be patronizing me here. I I do know what I'm talking about. Sending the, you know, uh, no, you don't. Patronizing. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm going off on my horse and hunting foxes now. You know, like trying to. So I just said, you know, I hope you fall off your horse and snap your neck. Um, and then uh, he called the police, put a complaint into the police, who sent an email but said, like, you don't have to talk to us. This isn't a thing. Like, I haven't threatened violence or anything. I just said, I hope you fall off your horse. Yeah. And I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I talked about it on my story, you know, because, I mean, why are you calling the police on me? You could communicated with me not the other way around right you came to me right not knowing what you were talking about yeah and tried to make out that i didn't and then you said you were off to do something illegal going fox hunting um and then he's saying that he's gonna sue me for slander because i said that so that's been nice tories a nice little birthday present for you i right? mean gorgeous yeah happy 39th yeah and happy birthday again by the way thank you so much you're welcome yes yeah, very happy what kind of cake was it that you had last well, night? I've had a vegan chocolate cake. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've not eaten any of it yet. I'm oh. excited to do that. Uh, but through the process of uh, rehearsals, I ate so much cake, I put four kilos on. So <laughs> probably going to wait for eating the cake for a little bit longer. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, the, the, uh, and the rehearsal process... Uh, what was that like and how long has it been? We we got we had a really great rehearsal process actually. We had four full weeks. Yeah. Um so it was a month of rehearsals, which was great. Um it's a lot of time to be rehearsing a show like this because it's eight hours each day mm. and then you go home and you go over what you've done and yeah. then you prep for the next day. So really you're doing kind of eleven, twelve hours yeah. um every day. Um, How do you find it? Do you find it easy to switch off to have like a little time? Oh to my yourself? god! Yeah, or, I'm yeah. I'm like a light switch. Oh, as good. soon as I've stopped working, that's it. The brain shuts down. I think because I as soon as I wake up, I'm like, you know, I'm awake. Yeah. Um, you know, some people it takes like my husband. Oh my god! Don't talk to him for the first three hours of the day. He's <laughs> awful. He's just horrible. <laughs> Until twelve o'clock, he's the he's horrible, and he's yeah. So we. If ever we're arguing, it's usually in a morning, um, right? Right. Because he's not not, not a morning pleasant. person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas I'm like immediately awake. Hello, hey, hello, how yeah. Do, 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 you know, yeah. Um, which is nice. I, you know, it I'm is very great. lucky. It is quite nice. And, yeah. I'm, and I can sleep basically anywhere as well. That's helpful. Yeah. Especially Jamie, when- Jamie and I, the director, used to be in a band together. Yeah. We did this Battle of the Bands. There was a punk band on before us. I just had to sleep in the corner while they were playing. <laughs> like, literally, for the hour that they were on, I just went to sleep. That's a remarkable <laughs> gift to be able to do that. I yeah. can sleep anywhere. Yeah. That helps, especially when you're under such a schedule. Yeah. And so, your personal schedule must be quite strict. Uh, or is it when you're um, doing something like this? I mean, for rehearsals, it was absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, get up. Prep for the day. Go, rehearse all day, go home, cook your dinner, go over what you've been doing while you're cooking, yeah. <laughs> answer all the emails, answer all the social stuff, to, to, you know, do all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty full on when it's like that. It's actually easier once the show's up and running. Sure. You kind of have more time then. Yeah. And then you've, uh, you must, I wonder, 
Do you find yourself finding new things that are, are occurring to you about the show every, every time you night. do the show? Yeah, yeah, every night. And every night there's the uh, inflection and the way that, you know, where you push forwards and where you pull back on um, on the script changes slightly with the audience as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes they're more, they like the visual cues and sometimes they prefer uh, the spoken stuff. So, like, there's a bit where um, Tommy says... Um, Hedvig, would you give me the apple? And then I look at the audience with my eyes wide and I sit up. uh, My Tommy has quite a kind of slouched demeanor about him. He's like a real, uh, you know, like that 15-year-old Kevin and Perry (laughs) teenage thing. Um, And Hedvig is much more kind of German and she's upright. She's a bit fidgety with her hands because she's got all this shit going on in her brain. Yeah, Um, And she's you know, when she's talking, she's quite kind of reserved and, um, yeah, she's not massively expressive, um, with her hands or anything like that mm-hmm. because she's, she's kind of made herself a bit smaller when she's not in performance mode. Sure. Um, so she sits up and I do this kind of big, wide eyed, open mouth thing, like going, Oh my God, this beautiful boy wants to fuck me. Oh, he wants the apple from me. Um, and some nights the audience like find that hysterical. Yeah. Like they, and then other nights they just go, hmm. <laughs> you know, so each night in different parts of the show, they will react in a different way. And, and you kind of get a feel for that in that first scene after Tear Me Down of, okay, what are the buttons that I need to press with this audience okay, to yeah. get, you know, keep them rolling along with me. So it kind of like tunes your radio in a bit. Yeah, absolutely. To a degree, yeah. yeah. So that, and every night's different, right? Every crowd? Every crowd is different, yeah. yeah. Um, so Thursday, what day is today? Friday, yeah. Friday, yeah. So we had a matinee yesterday, um, and it was p- probably the smallest crowd that we'd, we've had yet. Um and they were very different. Really? Very different. In what way? Um, much quieter. Uh, I mean, some of that is just that there were, you know, less people. There was probably, I don't know, 100 people in the audience. And it's a 300, 350 capacity theater. Um, so, uh, and they're quite spaced out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, they weren't all sat together in a clump. They were like, oh, little pockets <laughs> of people all over the fucking place. Um, <laughs> so that makes it. Uh, different and you you just have to the the places where you would leave space for laughter yeah when it's an audience like that it doesn't necessarily need it what they need actually is they need you to drive things forwards a little bit more right Um, because then that creates pauses that exactly right and then it's then they're uncertain yeah and that's that's the thing you your kind of role on the stage is to make everybody feel safe and secure in what's happening so that they can relax and and feed into it you know um so yeah it's always i that's one of my favorite things about theater is that every night even though the material is the same yeah it's totally different and you have it so committed to memory that then you're living in that space of the moment to moment feedback yeah yeah. Yeah. Which is exciting. And that's what makes the live experience so yeah, special, is. especially after lo- such a long time of not being able to either uh, be involved in or participate or watch live yeah. performance. I mean, like, you know, all of the live stream stuff is great. And it's really, really great for connecting with people across the world. Yeah. That's, you know, that's been a really, really lovely thing about the live streaming stuff is that people in Argentina and Brazil and America and, you know, Canada and Australia and they've all been able to come together and yeah. act, you know my uh, group my divinators uh, they have a little chat group where they all meet up and they oh, lovely, you know zoom yeah. with each other and you know it's like a little cute su- support network of yeah. um shared fandom which is lovely <laughs> it, yeah. and they they they're genuinely really lovely people as well yeah. um it's like the fan community around uh, yeah. Hedvig yeah. and that as well like, like uh, Antonia who I know uh, chatted with you after a show uh-huh. recently. Um, told me, you know, you chatted about me, which was lovely. And so I wanted to say yes. hello to Antonia, who's a massive headhead, yeah. has uh, tons of bootlegs and everything. Yeah, she came in Leeds, didn't she? She came to yes. the show in Leeds. Yeah. Um, with another girl who had they just met through Hedvig. Amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And th- that's just, you know, I love that. That's amazing. But there is nothing quite like having 
uh, it's a conversation really with your audience every night. It's a different conversation. Yeah. And people bring different things and you go, oh, that's where we are tonight. Okay. <laughs> okay. Was there any uh, audience reaction that surprised you or shocked you? Um, oh, there's only been one where one night when I came out and we're in the middle of the first scene and somebody's going, yes, Divina, slay bitch. Oh my God. And I was like, who is Tavina? <laughs> I know not of who you speak. I guess like, it, that's a one, another really great aspect of the improv uh, quotient of the show. Yeah. You can address people in the audience because there's lots of shows where they don't have that and someone's doing something like that. Yeah. And John was really, um, uh, he, we had a WhatsApp chat with each other. Mm -hmm. He WhatsApp, my brain just fell out of my ear. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, John Cameron Mitchell is on the screen in front of me. <laughs> I, like, honestly, whoa. You know, I, I, plus he's very threatening. He likes to play with uh, weapons, right? While he's talking to you, yeah. He's like, uh, yeah, here you're doing the show. Sure, hope it turns out well. Like with his the, knuckle dusters, yeah. numchucks swinging them around. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm pardon me. I don't mind this. Don't mind this. But I sure hope you do everything the way I like it. Yeah. It was the samurai sword that did it for me. That really scared me. Um, he likes to show off with the yeah, skills. Yeah. Him. God bless. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. And he really does have those skills. Yeah. It's terrifying. I think that's how he could direct and star in the film, quite <laughs> frankly. They had a tight schedule, tight budget. That's how you have to make it happen. I will do it all. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So talking to him, you know, he he was really uh, clear about it, that there is, and he wants there to be space for you to do that as well. You know, he doesn't want to restrict you in that, you know, or, and which is kind of how I write my shows anyway. Like I have a, um, you know, I have like a roadmap. Yeah. But, you can go down the cul-de-sac and have a little chat with people and then you come back to the road and, and off you go. Yeah. And it's the same thing with this show that you, you can come out, talk to the people here, say, and then you go back to the road and then you're back into, you know, uh, you can't, you're never leaving the car. So right. Epic is the car. You always need to be in the car. Yeah. <laughs> you can't suddenly be like, hey, oh, how you doing? You're all right. Yeah. Oh, lovely to see you. I haven't seen you for weeks. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah. You know, but uh, if you wanted to address someone, you could you, do it in, yeah. the, in Hedvig's in Hedvig. style. And yeah. And it's interesting. I was just thinking about it, how the whole difference that you mentioned before of uh, Hedvig in like life life and then performative life mm -hmm. and the way that Hedvig's character or Hedvig has constructed this way of talking where she communicates a lot of pain through jokes yeah and because it, clearly it's been difficult for Hedvig to communicate with yeah. the people in her life and everything and then finds this way to do it I just I uh I mean, which is similar to, you know, when I talk about stuff that's really shit, I make jokes about it. Um, yeah. Because it's, but it's not really a way of dealing with it. It's a way of masking that pain. You know, it's kind of more like a band-aid than it is. Uh, Therapeutic the, or exactly. anything. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel, you know, she's in the middle of a breakdown. This is, yeah. this is her, cult, you know, the, there's too many band-aids and not enough. Skin medical attention yeah, yes exactly yeah it's just band-aids and rubber bands she and, needs yeah. surgery yeah <laughs> and a long light down in a dark cool room exactly <laughs> so uh yeah I, I that's where i sort of see her as you know this is i'm going to tell you my life story and it's fucking awful and i'm going to make fun of it and <laughs> isn't it funny yeah Actually, no, this is fucking awful. This is my life. Oh, but let's make another joke. <laughs> right, because that's the only way through. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, comedy for that is absolutely super useful. Of course it is. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really take you to the root of the issue. You right. know, it's just that thing of glossing over the top and, of something. And, and making it more palatable. Because yeah. Because to actually talk about it without that would be horrifying for both parties. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine <laughs> a show of just that pain? Right. And then the next year, I... <laughs> <laughs> then he left me. And then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a lot. That would be a lot, yeah. Doing the show night after night, what do you find is the, the, the emotional core for you? Or what is the emotional part that really stands out for you or sort of uh, hits you hardest? Um, it's it's the, the bit that kind of 
gets to me most of the time is actually in long grift. Um, the first, I mean, there's a process. All right. So when you're, when you're doing a show, there's a process of you have to have at some point there has to be an emotional breakdown. It's just part of doing a show. You have to at some point <laughs> sit there and just weep uncontrollably. Uh huh. Um, cause you have to go a bit, you know, especially with a role like this, you have to go too far to know, okay, I can go this far emotionally. And then I have to, I have to control myself and, and pull myself back. And, uh, I think we were like a week in and we get to long grift. I go to the back of the stage cause in our version, she heads into this office that we've created that we've co-opted as a dressing room. Um, <laughs> That's quite handy. Yeah. So she's, she, I, she, I sat on the table facing the wall and I just fell apart. Like, you know, un, f- fully uncontrollable, inconsolable for about an hour and a half. Yeah. Like I just could <laughs> not, I would kind of be like, okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. Five minutes in. Oh, God! Oh, 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 oh. Um, yeah, so it's it was uh, it's that moment of uh, it's that culmination of she's really facing all of this trauma at that moment, and then she's been rejected by the one person who she's really invested in. Yeah, you know, I don't feel like she's invested in the same way in Luther. She's like, oh, Luther was never the one. <laughs> Yeah, stupid fuck. He had a nice dick, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I liked his money, and that's it. You know, that's kind yeah. of what it is. He is the sugar daddy, yeah. and it, you don't you don't invest in a sugar daddy in the same way that you do somebody who is more on the same level as you are, and actually looking up to, yeah, Hedvig, and also Hedvig was so completely vulnerable, yeah, with Tommy, and then to have that be treated that way, yeah, is like maybe the greatest hurt. Yeah, I think so. And even more so than the physical. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And that's what it is, you know. So I, it's that moment in the show for me that is where she is the absolutely most vulnerable. You know, she's, he says, Oh, I love you. Then love the front of me. You know, this is actually, this is where I am. Yeah. And this is and part you, of loving me. Like, and if you do gonna... love me, this is, this is it. Yeah. Um, and he's not able to do that. And it's been other people's choices that have led her to that position. Right. Which I think makes it, you know, most of the, most of the shit in my life has been other people's decisions, um, that have then impacted on me. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, you know, there's a, just a real empathy for me with the character there in that moment of this was other people who have done this. Yeah. Made these decisions for you. And on top of you that have have screwed you up, yeah. Um, so that's the the kind of the break moment for me there, yeah. Um, and then and then you have that. That's her transformative moment. She allows somebody else because she's not able to do it. She allows somebody else the space to take the spotlight. Yeah, and in that moment she's realizing she doesn't have to because you know she's this controlling you know that kind of matriarch encanto <laughs> character i have to control everything yeah i have to make sure that everything works and everything is right and i am in charge of it all and you will do as i say yeah and it, in that moment she's releasing that and going actually it's really nice over here not not being the person driving everything all the time right um and then she makes a joke out of it because that's what she does. Right. She tries to make a joke out of it and turn the situation to, uh, you know, something that can be exploited. Right. Because that's all she knows how to it's do. all she knows. It's, it's her coping. Because uh, that's all that she's been done yeah. to as well. She's just been exploited by everybody. Right. And so that's the only way that she knows how to exist in the world. How do I exploit this situation to survive? Right. Um. And she, she doesn't really apologize to Yitzhak. She kind of lays out why she's behaving the way that she is, but she doesn't really apologize. And they have this kind of... It's, it's not an argument, but it's not a meeting of minds. You know, like uh, Exquisite Corpse is not a, a resolution of... <laughs> 
We love each other. It's all fine. We'll get through this. You know, somehow. there's a lot of yeah. angst in there. There's a lot of fighting, um, and it's it's that moment where she, I think she's starting to kind of realize, wait, why am I? I don't need to be this person. I don't need to be this. I yeah. can be something else. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's you know, those it's it's so uh, it's such a short amount of time in terms of the show. Yeah. But that's where the, the transformation starts to happen. That's where the cogs start to turn for me. Yeah. Um, where she starts to realize, actually, there's a different way of being. And actually, that also has an implication for how I'm living in the world. There is a different way of being. I don't have to be this uh, controlling, exploitative person. And I don't have to be this man or this woman or any of those things yeah you know those are the that's the journey that she's going on in that moment um and then that's kind of what you see driving through for the rest of the show for me yeah yeah that's such a beautiful analysis of it and it's amazing what we identify with in the show mm. and it's fascinating to hear as the performer and what you identify with, because we do, again, it's a Rorschach test. And so we see ourselves in so much yeah. of it. And so do you see part of yourself in that in oh terms God, of how to manage life yeah. or maybe how you thought of it before? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I'm such a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you think that you've, uh, on the meter of control freak, where are you pinning in the red still, or do you feel like you once were pinning in the red and now you're more in the uh, less distortion range? I'm a very hot orange. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that about you. I mean, who would have been a very hot orange? <laughs> She's a very dark Satsuma. <laughs> <laughs> spicy, spicy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got, I've got better at stuff, and I used to be such. Um, I mean, you can see it on, on Drag Race, the perfectionist in me. And, I, you know, the funny thing is, Hedvig is on stage having a mental health breakdown, you know, every night on stage. And that's exactly what you saw on Drag Race, is me <laughs> having an actual breakdown. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I was, No fakes here, folks. No, I mean, I was really sick on that show. I was really unwell. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I'm fine now. I yeah. get to do it on stage. You know, exactly. Which is therapeutic. <laughs> exactly. Right? I have catharsis every night. <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend. Be at Hedwig, folks, because you want, yeah, the answer to your problem. You can just work it through. John and Stephen, if you're listening, uh, I think you have a good summer camp thing yeah. that you could do. It's like you be in Hedwig. Absolutely. Or Hedwig. And then, yeah. or call it what you like, but be in yeah. it. And it would be like rock and roll fantasy camp. <laughs> And you could go in and they have the people, you do the show. It's actual band camp. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just need a flute in my funny, that's all. <laughs> Don't we all, though? <laughs> it, it, the thing about control that's very funny, and I'm a perfectionist, too, with things. And sometimes, you, you can see it sometimes more in someone else, and then you realize what you're reacting to. It's that thing that people say about something that you dislike in someone else is something that's probably within you yeah. that you don't necessarily want to deal with or even acknowledge that is in you. But I have those control things as well, and I think we develop those out of not being in control of the A, B, and C areas of our life. Mm. And maybe we are an E and F, but that's not enough. And so then when you are able to control A through D, it's sometimes you're too intense about it. But especially with art stuff, there's that weird thing oh. where you're saying, well, wait, the way that I've succeeded with everything before is to be on top of things and being also your voice training and all yeah. of that stuff. There, there are certain bars that you have to hit. And how do you unlearn that or allow yourself to say that one's okay or that's good enough? And that is, that's what I've become much better at. The older I've got is going, it is what it is, you know? Which is a huge thing to yeah. continually accept. Yeah. And, it, you know, because one of the things that's held me back from making a lot of stuff anyway is um, the the worry that it won't be good enough, you know? Right. Not, not the risk of failure. I'm really happy to fail because you, I learned so much more from failing. Yeah. Uh, but it's the worry that I'll do it, I'll put it out, and then I'll be like, oh, if only I'd put a bit more work in, it would have. I would have ended up with this. You know, there's stuff which is out there in the world that I have filmed and recorded and done. And, and if I could go back to it, I absolutely would. Like I did this film, Diva. 
which is a channel for random acts thing. I, like, I'm super proud of it. Is it perfect? 100% no. Like, the vocal is not perfect at all. But I learned the, the whole lot of it in, I think, three weeks. And it, when I boil it down, I had about 10 hours where I had really focused time learning this. And it's mental. You know, the <laughs> music is absolutely <laughs> insane. Yeah. Um, so so I, I've got much better at going, okay, that was a, that little snapshot in time. Yes. And that's where I was in that particular time. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And, and let it, that go then. Well, that's really good. And that's an important lesson for everyone. And I have to remind myself of that too, yeah. you know, because you think about certain shows or like, you know, when you were in a particularly bad state of mind for a while. And you think, well, this is an accurate representation. It's essentially a documentary uh, of this moment in time with these elements and these variables. And so that's what it is. And you can't, like, it'd be like going to redo something. You can't. Yeah. You know, or you could, but it, it's like when bands re-record their classic hits and you go, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah, There's because no- it doesn't have that, it's not the snapshot. You've, you've polished all the edges off that made it uh, accessible. Yeah. That's one of the things, you yeah. know, it's, it's those slight flaws and imperfections that make it accessible to people. Um, you know, that was one of the problems with Glee. It was yeah. so perfect and auto-tuned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is not accept- accessible. No. Nobody it, sings like this. Especially like it's a group impossible. of folks. There's going to be some kind of glitch yeah. or something and you would like it. And then, that. you know, and then you find out what the cast have all been up to during <laughs> filming and you go, wow. <laughs> yeah. I see. All right. So this is what happens That's in the That's why auto-tune. it got auto-tuned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> had a lot of other stuff. They were putting other fires out there. Like, oh, just the music. Just put it oh, in. Just a- don't worry about this singing. Just do something. We'll do that. <laughs> Reminds me, too, of like, why do we like Lou Reed? It's not because he's got the most gorgeous voice in the world or Bob Dylan. Yeah. But there's character in it. And there's uh, Leonard Cohen. He sings it oftentimes in ranges he has no business being yeah. in. But you're like, gee, I sure love it when he tries to hit that yeah. high note. Because he can't. <laughs> and then some uh records you hear and they're, they're too perfect they're too uh massaged and yeah perfect yeah and that's again with Hedvig that's the joy of it you know it is it is not going to be a perfect vocal yeah night on night on night on night because it's a you know it's a rock vocal yeah and I don't sing like this this isn't where I've come from you know yeah. putting scratch and growl and grit you know that's not <laughs> you know I'm like fucking choir kid like <laughs> Was that process difficult for you to uh, take on, even though you knew that the, it, that is the essence of the style? Um, I, I don't know. I've been I've been really pleased with yeah. how I've vocally coped. Yeah, you know, touch wood. I've only had one day where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this show or not. And then once you step on the stage and you go, okay, I'm going to war. Actually, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but. I think a lot of that is because of, you know, the stuff that you're talking about, the training and this and that. To, to actually, that's put me in good stead to go, okay. Where, and I've learned so much about my voice just from doing this show. Really? About the different placement, mix, you know, where you can really let off the gas and let it just float. And, uh-huh. You know, because I'm a belter, you know, like I did classical singing. You don't go, in classical singing, that's not a thing. Yeah. You don't do that. Right. There's too much breath. There's not enough um, meeting of the chords. There's not enough clarity. Whereas for here, well, of course, it makes sense for the... And it, I try and always approach what is it that the material is asking of me rather than what what do I do? What's yeah. the material asking of me? Right, right. Um, it's been really, yeah, that process of uh, vocally working out where I can go with stuff. It's been really interesting. There's a moment in the show as well where my voice drops as Hedvig, mm-hmm. uh, which is after Wicked Little Town, the first Wicked Little Town. Yeah. Suddenly, Hedvig is like, instead of being up here, she's like this, hello, okay. And I don't know what it is about that song, but every time I finish singing that song, suddenly she's like, next day, Tommy <laughs> appeared with a very expensive looking guitar. Uh, so... Yeah, it's really, that's really, I don't know what that is about in that particular moment, but it happens every night. Yeah, it's interesting because there's some kind of emotional thing going through it because you are so, uh, I, you express yourself through your voice yeah. all the time. And it, I imagine it's second nature. 
Yeah, I yeah, I guess so. Um, I, it's not one of those things I think about. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you just kind of do. Yeah, you just do. I yeah. don't know. I think I thought about it when I was teaching. Maybe uh-huh. that's maybe that's what it is. I thought about it a lot as a, a teacher because if you're not emotionally engaged vocally, neither are the kids engaged at all. You sure. Know? <laughs> I guess that They're makes like, sense with the. Yeah. You're so boring. <laughs> Goodbye. And I wonder if it's an unconscious thing in the performance where you're not even passing it through the filter of thinking about it. It's just because that is like yeah. how you speak and how you communicate through your voice that maybe, maybe that's how you're feeling as the character in that moment. And, I th- and that's yeah, why I it comes so, out that maybe. way. Yeah, I'm not sure. But it, it just ends up much lower. Yeah. Next day. <laughs> <laughs> Next day, I was a bass baritone. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the band? What are the name? What's the name of the other performers? Uh, so, not uh, what's the name? What what are the names? So rather so correct me to say that. On um, on bass guitar is Jess, mm-hmm. and she's been great. She's so cool. Like she's so cool. She's really, she's a really talented artist. Like her playing is just gorgeous. And then she's also like a visual artist. So she draws and paints and creates album artwork for people and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And she's like, every day she turns up in a different outfit. And I'm like, oh my God, you are, you're so cool. Why am I such a geek? (laughs) 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 Um, And then usually we've got Isis who's playing the drums, but she's had COVID. Oh no. So for the last, uh, three shows we've had reese who stepped in isis knows reese okay so uh was able to kind of you know feed this is what happens here this is what i do so that's been really great and reese has been fantastic he picked it all up in like a day which is wild because it's such a tricky show really yeah drummer yeah absolutely because there's there's lots of kind of scene work as well that the drummer has to do that you don't normally have to do in shows um that he just has to pick up on and you know He's been fantastic. And Isis is great to work with. She's very dry. She's very funny. Um, and then Francis is the lead guitar. Um, and she is kick ass. My God. She is so good. Um, she's just this statuesque goddess with these enormously long legs that you just want to chop off and stick to your own body <laughs> instead of looking like a squat little chest of drawers that I look like on stage. Anyway. Hardly, um, hardly, by the yeah, way. Yeah, she looks, she's amazing. And I'd worked with Francis before a few years ago and I was so excited that she was, she was going to be here for this. Um, yeah, she's been a joy to work with. She's also very funny. Uh, then you have, Alex Beecham, who has done all the arranging and everything. And because we got the, the rights of the Jane Street, um, like the, the score that you get is very, uh, basic. I see. It's like chords and a melody line. Yeah. You know, so he's had to do, he's kind of worked from, uh, other people's arrangements and taken the, the best bits of those and then put in some of his own stuff and, and, uh, and then his reworking of, um, Sugar Daddy is... Oh, it's phenomenal. Uh, it's, yeah. We really went for the 70s porn vibe <laughs> with Sugar Daddy. Succeeded in, it's in fly, <laughs> with flying colors. It's amazing. Flying colors and a bouncing bear. <laughs> <laughs> the bouncing bear is one of my favorite stage gags ever. It's and so fun, is it? okay to describe it? No spoilers, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's this giant gummy bear. Yeah, it's a three meter tall <laughs> gummy bear. And Yitzhak dances the bear around the stage. And Yitzhak, our Yitzhak is... Um, Elijah is about five foot three, I would say. Uh-huh. So he's bouncing this three meter. It's not three foot. It's three meter. It's a three meter <laughs> tall bear. <laughs> yeah. uh, this neon pink bear in a black harness. Um, it's quite a look. Yeah, it's quite a look. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if a bear like that turned up for me, I'd be into it. <laughs> <laughs> How could you resist that good bar? <laughs> so there's you know there's just a bit of added comedy value from elijah being so little yeah. and the bear being so big yeah because the bear is in and it's enormous on stage it's so funny and it's totally unexpected too yeah which is great and in the new arrangement of sugar daddy is amazing too because well, i mean i love both arrangements but yeah. you don't expect it no at all no yeah and that's you know that's been uh, again one of the joys of working with a, this version is that there has been lots of opportunity to push and pull and 
you know, yeah. shift things around and, and reinterpret it again. Yeah. Um, and we definitely have done that as well. You know, with the material, we've kind of uh, centered it in a specific time, you know, so it's kind of 97, 98 that yeah. she's, she's in. Yeah. Um, but we've also looked at it through a lens of a 2020 audience, you know, so things that friends would have done, we would not put in this show on stage today. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's definitely been some of that um, and yeah. some sen- sensitivity stuff that, you know, we haven't knocked all the edges off her, yeah. but we've just made it so that nobody's going to be like, okay, these left-wingers are also anti-Semites and need to be burnt at the stake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is nice. It's, you just, you're doing a solid for John and Stephen in that one. Yeah. And and John and Stephen are very involved in every production, Absolutely. right? Yeah, yeah, they care and they and they, they really offer, do. Yeah, and, and they offer support. Yeah, right? Stephen's been amazing, like genuinely amazing, right from the word go. Sharing, retweeting, uh, posting on Instagram about the show. He's been wonderful. And then you know, like I said, John spoke to me on WhatsApp, and my brain fell out of my ear. <laughs> uh, I mean, oh God, yeah, what a, what a moment. Um, yeah, they've, they've both been incredibly supportive. It's yeah. been, you know, which is all anybody actually wants putting a show on is that the people who created it don't hate it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I could see that. And, and I, they, I can't see them having any qualms with this because it's such a fantastic Yeah, I mean, they, they have seen a, a very rough, you know, like rehearsal. You know, it kind of gets filmed for tech purposes. Uh, sure, yeah. So yeah. they've seen that that version of it, um, and I, and they seemed to be happy. So yeah, so that you know, great. I'm it's, joyed. It's overjoyed that good, they don't yeah. hate it. Oh yeah, I don't. <laughs> they weren't I, like, wow, Davina, total shit. Total <laughs> shit. So is this actually opening? Because can we put us? Can we change it up? No, there's nothing in that. There, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, I can't imagine that they have any problem. It's a shame it's not being uh, filmed. Yeah, it's a shame that it's not being... I mean, I'd love that. That would be great. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah. It would be great. Yeah, for the archive and yeah. all sorts of stuff. But, oh, well. well. Maybe it is another what time. It is. Yeah. I mean, maybe you'll do the role again. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, imagine I'd, you'd love to return to yeah, it. Yeah, I would. I'd, what I'd really like is a tour. I'd like to tour. I think that would be incredible. Because we've got so many amazing, you know, a show like this, you don't want to be in a massive venue. You don't want to be in like the Dominion or, a, you know an ATG 2,500, it doesn't work because there needs to be that danger for the audience that I can see you. Yes. Yeah. And maybe I'm going to come at you. (laughs) You know, there has to be that slight element of, oh, she could get me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and we have these amazing kind of small to mid-scale theatres all around the country. Yeah. um, Where I think this would go go down really, really well. I got to say the UK has some of the finest venues that i've ever been to yeah we're really lucky in this country like the night before i went to trixie's show at the opera house and i was like this place is gorgeous not that the states beautiful states definitely do too but there's something about the history of some of these venues that are just unbelievable yeah there's also quite a bit of uh you go up four stairs go through a door and then go down five (laughs) stairs (laughs) yeah they're not designed well but they're beautiful (laughs) exactly we'll give it that's fine i don't know they they were very into going up and down up and down up and down absolutely you know just getting your steps in yeah that's that's all it is keep your keep your ass muscles tight it's very cold in this country sometimes so you need to do indoor (laughs) and they didn't have the step machines and all that back then uh, yo, and it's raining outside. I'm not going to the gym. <laughs> no, I'm not going for a walk in the park. It's raining. I'm going to go walk at the theater instead. <laughs> That's why it's a good grand tradition get here. My steps in. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been such a wonderful chat, and I'm so happy to see you and to see you in this and uh, all of it. And it's so lovely to see you and chat with you again. And you always. Thank. You. Is there anything else about the show that you'd like to add before we close out on this one? Oh, God. Just that I love it. We close on the 11th. Um, so you'll have missed it by the time this is out. But Maybe I'll race um, it out tomorrow. Yeah. If you haven't watched the film, go and watch the film. That's what I would say. John is insanely amazing in the film. Go and watch the film. It's quite incredible. And like, there's some stories, and I'll send you the chats mm-hmm. that I have, because I've yet to compile all of them into one massive thing. Mike Potter, Frank DeMarco, the cinematographer, mm-hmm. Stephen, John, uh, Trina Wintour, uh, John Fenn Parker does this amazing inch by inch podcast where uh-huh. they discuss each 
chapter. I, I you did that, right? Podcast. Yeah, I, as I was saying it, I was like, wait, you've done that. That's right. I did the tire scene where oh, she sat yes. on the tires outside. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I would just, I mean, the whole film, God, just look at me sat here gushing about this film. I love it. I yeah. love this show. Well, if you have a couple more minutes, uh, any other moments in the film that really, re- really, really register? I know Origin of Love. Yeah, Origin of Love. And then what? when I watched it back, it was Yitzhak pegging uh, Hedwig in the bed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, because I hadn't clocked that, uh, you know, that Yitzhak was a, a female, you know, that it was like a right. trans role character. Right, right, um, And so then, when you then watch it again, you, oh, wait a minute, that's a strap-on. Yeah. Oh! Yeah. You know, it's just these, there's, that's what it is for me. Like, the film, there is always something else that you kind of look at and notice and go, Oh my! Wh- I had never seen this before. What? I know. How have I missed this? And I, I, I've seen the film it's countless so times. It's it is so rich. It's so densely packed with yeah. material. Well, I've really enjoyed this chat, and I look Same. forward to the next one. Thank and you, darling. Thank you, Davina. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>